defense doesn't just win championships. Sometimes it wins fantasy leagues. And their defensive line, especially the interior, is getting better. Digzua, Watkins, they can rotate guys in. So he isn't really a tackle-heavy guy at this point, but he's a top 15 linebacker to do those big plays over the past four weeks. This is the IDP Heat Seekers. Welcome back to the IDP Heat Seekers show. It is officially draft season being in the books, so now we get to sit back and relax and rookie draft magic as it flows on us. Hopefully, everything is treating you guys where you are. You can, as you can tell, if you're watching us on the live stream on YouTube, we are down, man. We've got Austin is off for the evening. We hope all's well with him, and he'll be back next week with us. So you get Craig and I. It's, it's a little old school. For a bit. We're gonna do it again. We're gonna have fun tonight. We're gonna put a bow on the NFL draft from the IDP side of things. Uh, be on the lookout for articles and lots of content to come. And we're also working on updating our rankings over on rotoheat.com. It's a painstaking process because it feels like the entirety of the 2022 draft really just punched fantasy owners in the face because it just was a very difficult. As I'm working through my rankings, I'm going, man, I just don't know. Speaking of just not knowing, Mr. Craig, how are you tonight, my friend? How is things treating you? How was draft weekend for you? I know you guys do lots of fun stuff uh, for the first round. So how how would all those things go for you, my friend? I feel like I should say I don't know based on that intro with us not knowing anything. But I'm doing all right. Yes, my betting on the draft was fruitful that I do every year as far as the my pre-draft mock with friends and then did another side wager and we bet on every first round pick. It turned out well for me. So that was fun. But it was interesting that draft started off slow with the names that we saw being bandied about a bunch, actually going in or about the slots that people thought. And then it just took a turn for the crazy with the trades, both huge just draft pick wise and then player wise in the draft. So it was a lot of fun the first round anyway. And the trades continued throughout the whole draft, which made it fun just to see people jumping around. Oh, it was fantastic. I, at one point over the weekend, I, I said something out on Twitter and, and was like, feels like NFL owners are have been playing Madden simulations over the offseason because just things are happening at a rapid pace, all sorts of crazy trades, whether it was in the offseason, during the draft. It, it's been a very enjoyable offseason from the outside looking in because just a lot of things are happening. But on the flip side, I feel there's just so much going on that I hope the teams know what they're doing because this is, it feels, I bet if somebody worked up an article, it was probably, this has probably been an unprecedented off season for trading. I mean, whether it's players, picks, the whole shebang. So feels like it. Yeah. And uh, we did want to follow up just uh, briefly before we get into kind of the recap. Uh, we want Craig to be able to take his victory lap because he mopped the floor with Austin and I when it comes to our predictions. With that being said, so last week on the show, we had this, fun spreadsheet up and and we all made guesses predictions of what we thought would happen and i basically just tried to be different than everybody else um and i was completely wrong although i wasn't as wrong as austin so i guess uh, second place is the first loser so i guess i'll take it so craig as you can tell he guessed almost everything except for just a few spots how do you feel about this craig was this educated guesses or were you just trying to to listen to the smoke screens and go with it what what got it is educated guesses like i said i, I do betting on mock drafts with friends and then picks every year so i try to have you know a good idea ish on what's going to happen one of the things that we all got wrong that there was some chatter about you know, the last week or so and then really got hot and heavy the past or the two days before the draft was about quay walker moving up into possibly being the first linebacker selected you know, teams weren't as much in love with Devin Lloyd for whatever reason, and that's something that came to be true that we all got wrong. Even the spots, he fell a little bit farther than we had thought. So some of this stuff, you, you listen to it, you take it with a grain of salt, turns out to be right. You know, Trevon Walker's another one where it just felt like, for whatever reason, that GM fell in love with them, and usually the GM is going to have the final say, unless you're in a situation where the head coach picks the GM and maybe there's a power balance difference, or you have uh, Jerry Jones who uh, just does whatever he wants because he owns the team. And ultimately if it's his money being involved, that apparently Shad Khan didn't feel like the need to jump in and do that, or he ended up agreeing with bulky. We'll probably never really know for sure, but yeah, it's just a lot of trying to sift through what seems right. what seems completely out of left field and like a smoke screen. Uh, fortunately, Anyway, a lot of that happened on the offensive end, especially regarding quarterbacks, more so than on the defensive side. And so 
Every year, as you get closer and closer to the draft, you get these smokescreen situations. And when you listen to experts or whomever in the media, they, these are just trying to be diversions. Don't necessarily so take it with a grain of salt. Don't necessarily believe everything you hear. And it's, so I've gotten ingrained in my head. As soon as the, the Trayvon Walker talk happened, I was like, oh, well, this is like week within a week and a half of the draft. I was like, no, this can't be true. Up until this week, everywhere you saw it, Walker was a late first at the minimum because a lot of potential, no production kind of thing. So I'm like, ah, I couldn't, I can't believe that. It, it's got to be Aiden or Thibodeau. Like that was my mindset. And I was like, huh, smoke train was not a smoke train. Trent Balky is Trent Balky, and the rest of us should have known better. So, you know, it, it was fascinating to me. I, I like these things. I'm not, I'm not a betting man on this stuff. So I will now bow to the Craig when he says this is what he's betting. I will follow Craig's lead and just say whatever you said. So next year, maybe I'll get more. It, it was fun, though. I do. I, I like guessing. Typically, for me, when I'm just even when we did the Roto Heat mock, I was going based on what I think a team should do, not what a team's probably going to do, uh, because obviously what I think is wrong. My Lions did not go with the safety. They waited till the third round to take a guy who had been playing safety for um, a season, basically, in, in Kirby Joseph, who actually, fun fact, got benched week one because he was playing brutal and then it took a little bit of time before he got i think it was like week three before he he got the starting job back at illinois and then we took and ran with it and did much better it was, just, it was just funny to me how how the how our teams played out i was watching it thinking about your team the cowboys i know how much you like them they attacked and got an edge rusher in sam williams and i thought that was a really sneaky good pick and i'm interested to see how that goes looking at your team personally how did you feel about the cowboys draft and everything that they did overall they got a number of guys, and I forget the number I was looking at, like probably five guys that have a chance of starting or having a significant role starting on offense or defense this year, which is what they needed with where they are. They have a probably worse shot if you're just looking on paper uh, of ending up being the division champ than going into the draft. The Eagles mopped up pretty well. The Giants had a good draft, although I don't think they're probably going to be competing for the division title unless there's significant injuries elsewhere. Daniel Jones becomes Josh Allen with the new coaching staff and GM there. So it's probably the Cowboys or the Eagles is my best guess. And they're going to have to get guys that can compete right away to keep that team in contention. So overall, I liked it. It wasn't necessarily who I would pick if I had my say in all that. And who knows if I'm right or wrong. Like I would have liked Tyler Linderbaum more than uh, Tyler Smith, where they got them. You can't really complain about the positions that they took. They addressed needs and they got some nice players. It, just like everything else can depend on how it pans out. I don't think they really had a draft where they knocked it out of the park by any means, but I don't think they had just any outright terrible picks either. No, I because of what they did in the offseason, letting you know half of their offensive line walk in Hale Collins and Connor Will or Connor Williams. Connor Williams, yep. Yeah, the addressing offensive line in a couple spots made sense. I liked the Williams pick out of old miss. I think he's could use some a little bit of development, but they've got a defensive staff that I think could help him grow and develop. Instead of spending all that money, they let what's the name go to Denver. Off the top of my head, I'm now drawing a Randy blank. Gregory. Thank you, Randy Gregory. You know, where they went with the younger option that they could develop and have under control for you know a few seasons. I thought they made some really s sneaky good moves, backfilling wide receiver and doing some of those things. I think helped you know, Jake Ferguson. We talked in the Discord chat. I mentioned one of the guys in Discord. Was like, it looks a whole lot like Dalton Schultz, but younger and probably just as athletic and just as good um, as a receiver. Just looking over their draft, I was like, you know what? As If I was Craig in his position, um, I would be moderately pleased. I didn't, I've, and listening to a lot of people's recaps, been up and down for a lot of the a lot of the teams some it seems like they love them i was listening to i like tdn so they were doing their recap of the nfc east this today on their episode it was hard because they loved everybody's but then once you factor in trades getting aj brown at philadelphia i was like that's better than any first round pick you're going to spend on a receiver he's arguably the one of the best receivers in football kind of thing so it was the nfc east i thought did an, an excellent job drafting even washington people were knocking the brian robinson pick but i'm like listen Brian Robinson fumbled less last year than Antonio Gibson did. That's for sure. Because Antonio Gibson, we fumbled four, five, six times. Brian Robinson had probably more carries and no balls hit the ground from him. It, it's just interesting as I comb back through. That's why it's been harder for me to build my rankings because spots felt weird in so many situations. 
and but then other spots felt better in situations you know, some of these running backs and some of these other positions but that's not for us that's for tomorrow night guys i just wanted to get your take on your team's draft i do think that it was a, a really good from an idp perspective i think a lot of really good landing spots for sure i did want to have i like to i put together all all the draft picks i make sure i, I keep track of them throughout the draft so i can have them as i'm working through my 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 boards and lists and things like that looking at the first round idps do you feel good about these guys as and this is generalities we're not going into specifics we use roto heat scoring typically when we talk idp the defensive ends the linebackers that win the first round do you feel good about these guys as mid late seconds on i took aiden hutchinson at two six in a 14 team idp because that was the only pick i had and defensive end was about the only need i had but how do you feel about these first round IDPs in rookie drafts and where are you looking at taking them at? Throwing cornerbacks out of it and also by and large, you're not going to be drafting a defensive tackle. I think that's even true with the two guys taken in the first round here. Jordan Davis is probably going to start off as more of a two down run stopper. And yet he's a huge guy that's great at it, but it also gives you generally speaking, some limited production. If you're in a league where you have to start two defensive tackles, maybe you're taking a look at him, but most leagues aren't like that. Same thing with Devontae Wyatt. He went to a nice place as far as real-life positioning, but he's going to be in somewhere on that 3-4 defensive line base for the Packers, which is going to limit, we think, if he starts his productive value. Mm-hmm. Especially going next to a guy like Kenny Clark that has been shown to have that value standalone himself. It's hard for Multiple guys on the 3-4 defensive line to be productive. It can work. We've seen that with Stephen Tu and Cam Hayward when both have been healthy and on the field for the Steelers, but that's right. more of the exception and not the rule. So all three of the first defensive ends, edge, sort of outside linebacker, wherever they end up playing in their new system. Walker's the third in line out of those guys. Hutchinson and Thibodeau I both really like. Thibodeau, I think, is going, and actually Hutchinson, Thinking before I speak, or speaking before I think there again, they're both going to young up-and-coming defensives. I really like that mentality that the Bills coaching staff has brought there, and they already had a nice edge piece in Aziz Oshilari from the prior year. It'd be interesting to see who ends up being the alpha if they end up sort of splitting who's better out of those two, but it's nice to have another good one across from him. And that defensive line has been productive in years past for the Giants, so I think you can see a nice step up there for that front seven for the Giants. But the linebackers... Neither one of them I'm really excited about right now. Quay Walker went to a team where the Packers barely played with two linebackers on the field as far as true inside type of linebackers at one time. They already signed Devante, Devondre, excuse me, Campbell to a big extension mm-hmm. this offseason. And they're going to have to fundamentally change how they're playing to have Quay Walker on the field a significant amount of time to have IDP relevance as a rookie. So I'm really interested to see how that plays out, but it does not come down the board for me. Same thing with Devin Lloyd. So... Jaguars generally are going to have two to three of those inside type of linebackers on the field at one time. They just signed Foy Aluakun to a big deal. And then they went and they drafted uh, Chad Muma too mm-hmm. later on in the draft. So Muma's probably the one that's going to be having the lesser role, but it's not a situation that I'm going to be investing heavily with either one of them and then seeing how it plays out. If you can get a deal on Devin Lloyd, getting him in the third somewhere, I think that's probably where you'd want to be taking him. But just with the situation he went to, I'm not that interested in spending a second-round pick on him. And, and I feel like linebackers and running backs in this draft have very similar – I have the same – very similar feelings about them. I like landing spots of guys that went later in the draft. Like yeah. think about the Kobe Dean of Philly. I love that. They typically don't draft high linebackers. Kobe Dean was supposed to be a first-round pick, but the injury concerns dropped him down, size, injury, whatever. That's a perfect spot. That's a spot where he isn't necessarily going to play to start because he's hurt, But and that guy's very good. He could become the head of that defense very quickly. I like to ask Samoa going to Minnesota because they're, they're linebackers. Not the strongest group. He's a, he's more of a long-term guy. I think I'm interested in trying to, to get some pieces of in deeper leagues. And then the guy, Leo Chanel, the one we've we brought him up a bit here on the show off and on. I think him in KC is an interesting longer to play. But the guys who went earlier, I'm just not as excited about. But the one I wanted to get your thoughts on, just because Atlanta's a team in flux, they went after a couple, but Troy Anderson, how do you feel about, and looking at Atlanta's defense, I guess, before I get your opinion, 
But looking at Atlanta's team overall, they could be quickly turning things around there in Atlanta with what they've done. But to go with Deion Jones, they grabbed Rashawn Evans in free agency, and then they added uh, Arnold Ebichetti as an edge guy. I don't necessarily, the way that their defense is, I don't necessarily know how they're going to deploy all these linebackers. But Troy Anderson, I thought, was an interesting play for kind of another, probably not first year much value, but maybe over the next couple years as a stash type guy. What do you think about him and and what's going on there with that Atlanta defense? So I like Anderson a lot as a stash. We talked about him last week. I think so. I'm getting my shows confused. But either way, his athletic profile is off the charts. He's just taking a huge step up. And you're talking about where he played before Montana State going to the NFL. So he's Mm -hmm. probably not going to start this year. But we've seen how Atlanta's season um, is projected to go just in terms of not looking good problems and the turnover they've been having so he might get a shot later on in the season and i do think he's a guy draft worth drafting late and stashing on your bench or taxi squad if you have that opportunity to because they are going to have a spot opening up Deion jones is getting a little bit older he's not i don't think cracking 30 yet he's at he's 29 30 ish age and that other spot to your point is open i think rashawn evans was a one-year deal they do have michael mm-hmm. walker um, who played nice in spots last year but whether he's a long-term piece remains to be seen. And the draft capital speaks. That's one of the things that sometimes we get involved in take lock. The NFL doesn't think they're going to be worth a day to even pick. You probably need to reevaluate a little bit how you're looking at them. And then a guy like this goes up into the second round. It's like, okay, clearly they see something probably more long-term, but hey, let's keep an eye on him. And that's how I feel about him. I was really pumped to see his draft capital. Yeah, I would concur. I think he's definitely an interesting long-term play in that. And Malone, I think, is an interesting guy, too. Western Kentucky, um, not exactly the, a big-name linebacker-producing school, but he has a lot of um, physical tools and, and athletic upside that I think, depending on how they develop these young linebackers, this could become their core at their linebacker in a year, two years. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me in the least. This draft, I think, is, is really... Had a really strong group of linebackers, but the unfortunate thing, and I don't know if this is maybe, you know, COVID-related, missing time, that kind of thing, but a lot of these guys just need some seasoning. They have physical traits. They have athletic upside. They just need some time to develop and some time to to grow into the role. So there's a lot of guys on the list, but I want to get your take. We've talked about some of these guys, but these day two, day three guys, are there some – sleeper type guys that that when you saw the landing spot you're like oh i like that's a juicy spot i wouldn't mind stashing him yeah so for linebackers specifically here and i'm going through my list because i was doing a write-up that's almost done on day three idp recap so brandon smith i really like the position that he went to i believe he was one of the highest rated coverage linebackers over the past couple of years. He has a great athletic profile and there just isn't a lot there in Carolina. Of course, Shaq Thompson has one spot down. They have uh, Damien Wilson who signed there, but is also in some legal trouble. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then Corey Littleton, who was great when he was with the Rams, but hasn't done much at all since then. And whether or not he's able to rebound will be interesting, but no real heavy hitters besides Shaq Thompson. And then you got a couple journeymen, other younger guys that were later picks there with them. So fourth round capital there. I think Brandon Smith will get playing time this year and he'll have a shot to be something there long-term for him. Micah McFadden's another one, just position where he's going. So they have Martinez, of course, but it wasn't even a given that he was going to come back to the Giants. He had to take a Mm -hmm. pay reduction, I believe, and he's a free agent after this year. And it's Tay Crowder probably starting next to him in the middle and then a whole bunch of shrugging with the guys that they've drafted later, like Carter Coughlin, other late round picks. So for a guy that doesn't probably project to be a long-term starter in the NFL, but has high effort, sure tackler, things like that. McFadden, I think, is a guy to keep an eye on, especially if injuries crop up and something like this. He's a young guy on a young team that's going to be growing the defense, and why not give him a shot if things do end up going south for him again? And the last one I want to call out, of course, because it's my Cowboys, but we talked about Damon Clark previously. There's a chance that he's not going to play a lot this season. The coaching staff is hopeful that he'll play this year. He had that spinal fusion surgery that we Mm -hmm. talked about. Never really sure what you're going to get out of him. 
maybe isn't even considering for a late pick in a standard size league, but a name to know and keep an eye on because if he was fully healthy, he's probably getting that day two draft capital. He's just a monster out there at LSU. And if he is healthy, if he does fully recover, having him there with Parsons, that's the makings of a nice young linebacker. And how do you, you know, to follow up to that, what do you make of it with the fact that they, they took a kid in the sixth round, Devin Harper? They've got Jabril Cox, who was a fourth rounder last year. Not to mention Leighton Vander Esch, who injuries aside, was a first round pick. I think this may be near the end for Vander Esch and Dallas anyway. But, you know, what, so do you think Clark's talent? outshines the rest of those guys potentially so i think it all just depends on whether or not he can even get on the field if he isn't able to get on the field this year no and that's the long-term concern with him too if we assume that he's fully healthy i don't think vanderish is probably here again like you said for more than a year he just unfortunately can't stay healthy himself but that's just a myriad of other just things that he has going on it's not just one big sort of question mark with him it's what's the various injury going to be this year and then how productive is he going to be able to be he was once dubbed of course by jerry jones i think as the cowboys brian erlacher when they took him and uh, clearly that didn't uh, pan out as usually it doesn't when you're comping to a hall of famer so Jabril Cox, I do like. He's another guy that's really good in coverage, but was going to need a little bit more seasoning. I think he'll have a chance to get on the field this year and actually show what he can do. And really, I think, so the Van Der Esch signing probably had to do with they knew they were going to be young linebacking core and they wanted a veteran presence in there. And when they took Clark, it's almost like, okay, we need another young guy here, to your point about Harper, because there's a big question mark whether or not Clark is going to play this year. But if we're talking down the road, I think Clark's a really interesting guy to keep an eye on. In a deep league, he, I think he should be rostered on a Texas squad. Yeah, I can't argue that. I think I like – the tough thing for me is the way that they play their linebackers. You're probably only getting two that have significant fantasy value that are on the field enough that see enough snaps. But I, it's hard – for me, it's, okay, which two? Because – I, we liked Jabril Cox last year and then Clark this year. It's okay. Parsons is playing. He may play defensive end. He may play. You never know where, where they're going to put him. There's a lot too. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that all depends. But these, I think those are both sneaky, you know, guys to watch. I want to talk safety. So we haven't talked much about safety yet tonight. Actually, I don't think we've talked about safety at all tonight. There were some interesting safety landing spots, but let's hit on the, the first few and I love Daxton Hill here because that's what they labeled him as. I think he's more probably slot corner that might play safety. That's neither here nor there. I just went with what uh, the league labeled him as when he got picked. The rich get richer in my mind. Kyle Hamilton going to Baltimore. It's like, really? Him and Marcus Williams, he probably won't slot in day one, depending on how they depending on how they do it. They'll probably make him earn it. But long term, him and Marcus Williams form a very strong combination at safety. But the first few picks, Hamilton and Hill, if you think differently than I, what do you think about where these guys landed? These all feel like really solid landing spots off the get go. But what's your take on them? It's going to be really interesting for fantasy purposes to see what the Ravens do because they had two starting caliber safeties and Chuck Clark, Marcus Williams, of course, Clark is sort of more that if you want to call it that strong safety type of guy who comes up and plays linebacker type of stuff more often than Williams, who's going to be deeper and just all over the field. It seems probably similar to what Marlon Humphrey was, although he's a cornerback in name. You throw a guy like Kyle Hamilton in here that can do all sorts of fun stuff too. I think it's going to be a very good secondary, but I'm going to want to see how they're allocating snaps as far as position-wise and then that amount of playing because I think it could be a mess early on while they try to sort this out. I do think it brings down Chuck Clark's value, and there were rumors of him possibly being available too in a trade all over that would certainly clear things up a bit. But I guess if I'm the Ravens, I'd be a little bit wary of doing that after you saw how abysmal things got once you had injuries rack your secondary last year. Mm-hmm. The guys coming back and stuff. Me personally, I'd want to hang on to that when their team with Super Bowl aspirations. Make sure you have that area shored up for the start of the season, especially before you go do anything like that. So long term, I do think it's a great spot. Gives them a lot of flexibility, like I said, but it's a little bit of a mess early on, and we're going to have to see how that plays out. Hill, to your point, I think he's going to be used like a Swiss Army knife too. So early on, he's in a stacked secondary when healthy. Probably not going to be a starter and name at safety, but I think he will see playing time. If he does end up getting significant playing time and he has cornerback designation availability, 
pay attention to that if you're in a league that requires cornerbacks because he could be a sneaky little cheat code there when he plays. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't argue that at all. He definitely has potential to do a little bit of everything. And as I was building my combo offense-defensive rankings, I kept putting safeties in here because I love these landing spots. Lewis seen we like the player pre-draft. I like the landing spot. Think about what they have. It's aging out. Backfilling, but also a guy that they could put in immediately if they wanted to because he has the ability to start from day one. Every, It's weird to say, but almost everything in Houston I'm trying to buy in these draft classes. I like what they did at running back. I like some of the other positions they've taken. And then Jalen Petrie at safety I think is a really – interesting get we obviously have to see it because lovey hasn't coached a game in the nfl in a while if you look at what his defense did in the past the tampa two kind of four three type scheme i think petrie fits nicely into something like that and really could be a, a fun get at safety to to be depth for now but i think could become something more jaquan brisker going to chicago i think that's a really interesting get that secondary could use an influx of talent and i think the one that people may overlook is Brian Cook to Kansas City. Tyron Matthew, it sounds like, is signing with Saints, if he hasn't already. And last I heard, he was signing with New Orleans. They have a, a gap back there that needs somebody to to fill it. And it looks like Brian Cook could step in and, and be the man from the get-go. And with as pass-heavy as that division is, he could get tons of action. What do you think about these second-round guys, this kind of cluster of guys at the late first into the second that all have potential and have opportunity early on to start possibly yeah so for cook it's going to be interesting i think he's going to have to beat at one thornhill who i think himself was a second round pick a couple of years mm-hmm. ago that i mm-hmm. think they're probably going to give him a little bit of veteran deference considering he knows everything and he did play all right last year when he had the opportunity but certainly will have the opportunity to compete for a starting to do like you said joseph i think will have that opportunity but uh, Butler's another name down there getting into the fourth round. They had three safeties that they played a lot last year. Landon Collins was let go, and I don't think they really play the same sort of position. Percy Butler's more of a free safety, but I do like him long-term. He has great speed, and he's probably going to be used more on special teams to start the year, but both Cameron Curl and Bobby McCain are free agents after next year so after 2023 so he's a guy long term if you're looking at it's going to be in a good position to be a starter and Cameron Curl we know has played really well Bobby McCain feels like a stopgap long term they didn't give him a huge contract when you resigned for two years and after that honestly it gets to be just really yeah maybe you know the, the safety positions feel relatively set for the Giants at the moment although uh so they got McKinney at the one and I think the love is the other one that mm-hmm. they have right now. Love has played you know, a lot better than people think. Julius Peppers didn't stay healthy there throughout his uh, time in New York, and he's no longer there. So I think they're going to give Love a chance. But Belton could earn a starting spot too, especially you know a year or two from now when the defense grows. But beyond that, to me, there isn't a ton of guys here when I was digging through the later rounds that felt like, all right, you're in a really good position to do something relatively soon. Yeah, Quentin Lake that went to the Rams from UCLA. I thought he was an interesting one to keep an eye on, but there's that that would take a lot of moving parts. But Jordan Fuller, I don't know how much I love what he's been doing. And when I think Taylor Rop is the other guy, he was a second rounder, he's probably going to get a little longer leash. But behind that, you got um, Burgess. And then I think those are about the only big that weren't free agents or late picks. Uh, He's a guy to keep an eye on, but definitely not somebody I think is going to get anything anytime soon. But he was a guy that I liked in college. So I had him jotted down to see where he went, but unfortunately went to a a position that I don't know how easy it'll be for him to to get early, early playing time. And even obviously the home run will come out, but keep an eye on Kirby Joseph. Detroit, the one thing I'm learning about the way they draft is they're going for just insane athleticism. Like everything they're looking at is guys that, are off the charts in, in areas. And Kirby Joseph may be young in the role, but he could easily make a name for himself. Tracy Walker got a couple-year deal, and they brought over Deshaun Elliott from Baltimore, who's been an injured, who's been injured regularly. Otherwise, they got Will Harris, who's just not been very good as a safety, unless you've got him playing as a linebacker hybrid role. So he's a guy to, to keep an eye on that could get some run if he can pick up things quickly. But CXK agrees. Uh, Lake is legit. UCLA, baby. Uh, there you go. CXK dropping the, the knowledge there. Uh, so there's, I thought there were quite a few safeties in this class with where they went. I'm like, keep an eye on them. There's some fun landing spots that could quickly return a, a quality investment. But going into this, and before we go to the next position group, do you 
typically I, I see mid to late second when we start seeing IDPs. Based on what you've your research, are you feeling good about you know that spot right around in the mid to late second where you start thinking about taking IDPs in this draft? Or because it necessarily wasn't strong, are you drafting guys earlier than that? How are you feeling about that? Yeah, I think you probably have four or five guys on the defensive end that you would really consider with a second round pick this year. And then it's getting into the third round, fourth round, you know, depending on how deep your league goes. Fifth, I think five rounds is about the average. Typically, including yeah. IDP with a standard size league. Of course, if you're having huge starting requirements and benches, it's going to be deeper. But yeah, Hutchinson, Hamilton, Thibodeau, if you believe in Walker, you'd probably have him up there. Someone's probably going to take Devin Lloyd and Quay Walker will probably go in the second round where I am because most of the people I'm with are <laughs> Packer fans. So part of that's knowing your atmosphere that you're drafting in and the fellow league mates that you're with. But I would be shocked in a 12-team league if you saw probably more than four guys go in the second round in your sort of average IDP league. If it's one where there's balanced scoring, certainly you're going to have more than that in the second round. But that feels about right. Yeah, that's been my struggle. And I, we were talking a little pre-show and I was just trying to work on my rankings. I literally had to grab a piece of paper and start writing it out because I just couldn't set, settle on what I wanted to do with my rankings. And I kept moving things around on the site. I was like, I'm going to stop because I'm just going to mess everything up. And in my mind, I just started writing out, okay, what's my board look like? What are my favorite guys? And then as I got to pick 12, 13, 14, 15, I'm like, I would probably rather taking my favorite defensive end, David Bell and James Cooks of the world, because I don't necessarily love spots, things like that. And I'm like, but I can't take guys that early. So then I crumble it up, throw it away. I'm like, all right, start over. Offense, you got to You got to keep trying. I have such a hard time this year. This has been the first time in all my years of doing fantasy where I started writing it out. I'm like, I don't like a lot of these landing spots, but I love a lot of these IDP. For me, 2-6 was the earliest I could take a guy. And my first league started drafting Sunday morning, draft on Saturday night. Sunday morning, draft. I have one pick in the first three rounds, and that was pick 2-6. I said, all right, I'm just going to take my favorite IDP. Aiden Hutchinson came off the board at 2-6, and obviously it's a league in the Metro Detroit area. So I knew if I didn't take him there, he'd be gone quickly. And literally the next three guys all said, oh, that was going to be my pick. So I'm like, oh. I wanted to grab Kayvon Thibodeau. I want to get a couple shares of him, but it wasn't going to happen. So – to put a bow on this whole thing give us your top your top 10 or so idps like where do you where are you stacking these guys now that we've gone through some of the different position groups and then i want to end on talking cornerbacks and defensive tackles because we haven't touched on any corners or d tackles very much how are you stacking them your kind of top 10 ish idps this year she's putting me on a spot here i know um, I, I, want, I want to throw you off your game yeah, in some sort of order, Hamilton, Hutchinson, Thibodeau, I think has to be the top three just because of opportunity where he was taken, giving him the opportunity to succeed. Walker has to be up there. Something interesting with him, he did a play all across you know the front for Georgia at different times. If the Jaguars do utilize him that way and he has defensive tackle eligibility, certainly he could be much more interesting if he does end up starting and then performing well or just getting a lot of playing time because of the flexibility that he would provide you at his value in the IDP leagues would go up. So he's up there. You probably have Jermaine Johnson up there. And then next little group is Lloyd. I'm not a huge fan of it, but just based off of where he went in the draft and probably going to be starting Lucene. Out of Minnesota now is, is six. <clears throat> Looking at your linebackers. Honestly, with a draft class like this, I'd be fine in the back end of the first somewhere, putting David Ojabo for a long-term guy for the edge going to Baltimore. It seems like Baltimore loves just picking up those guys that may not be ready right away, but him in a way on opposite sides of each other at the edges has a real opportunity to be just a deadly sort of edge rushers there long-term for the Ravens. And then we talked about that secondary that they have might even be more opportunity to get some sacks if they continue to do well in coverage as they had most years prior. I'm probably having based off of opportunity, Brandon Smith 
like we mentioned up there, just because I like the talent going into it. He didn't quite have the draft capital that I wanted, but he went to a good position. I don't know, that takes us to what, about seven-ish? Mm-hmm. Linebackers. Brisker's probably up there because the position that he went into, he's getting an opportunity with it, rebuilding a Bears team in general while they try to start out that defense again. Logan Hall doesn't really fit to me. He's going to be just more of a defensive lineman, not really probably an edge guy. Well, it seems like they got him because they haven't re-signed Sue yet. Like when when I picked when they picked him, I'm like, is he just gonna be in Sue's role? What are they doing? Someone we didn't talk about, but I do really like the position where he went to Drake Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, he's gonna be Nick Bosa, and they really like building up that defensive line. He's gonna be on a good defense if he gets immediate playing time across from Bosa. I do like him a lot. He may may end up being in there. Um but certainly a second-round pick worth of value for him. Or If you're doing just IDP draft out of your top you know, 12, he's probably in your top 16 or something like that. He went to a really nice spot. Christian Harris is a guy I want to keep an eye on. We didn't mention him, but you mentioned the Texans and people going there. They have a whole bunch of guys on one-year contracts. And I think he was taken in the third round, the third round, something like that. So he's got decent draft capital, and he could turn out to be a starter for them certainly next year, but he'll have a chance this year too, I think, especially if the year continues to go for them as people think. Nicobe Dean, okay, so I forgot about him. He's probably a first-round pick too. Like you said, the Eagles generally don't take high picks and use them on linebackers, and they still didn't, but this is a third-round pick, and Mm -hmm. he had that first-round talent. It'll be interesting to see how well he does, but they have guys that have just been – not great in terms of real NFL production. TJ Edwards, Alex Singleton, right. as far as their on-field product, not matching the stats that they get you, productive for IDP, but not great for NFL real life, perhaps, be productive for us. So if Dean ends up being healthy and able to stay on the field and be productive at his size in the NFL, that could very well end up being a steal. I was upset when the Eagles got him, to be quite honest, <laughs> being a Cowboys no. man. I kept, yeah, I kept, as a Lions um, guy, I kept hoping they'd grab him. And... So that's probably about 12-ish off the top of my head of guys that if we were doing an IDP-only draft, I'd really be considering. Yeah, i just looking at, at my at 10 at the moment, and even at that, I wasn't, I keep moving guys in and out of my kind of big board, but Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Devin Lloyd, Kyle Hamilton, Trayvon Walker. I like Quay Walker a lot. I just don't know how I like him in Green Bay, but I still have him there because I like the player. Jalen Petrie to Houston, Lewisine, Minnesota, Jermaine Johnson. I have Karloftis up there because I expect. That's great. one I forgot to you, that's yeah, a good I, spot for him. I like Karloftis, Brisker, Christian Harris. Though that's more than 10. But those are my, my top guys at the moment are guys that I, I want to get shares of on my roster. And going to Trayvon Walker, does it concern you? Because when you look at the defensive line, really all they have is Josh Allen. Like everything else is just veterans that are not great. So listen to what they've got here. Malcolm Brown, who came over from the Saints. Foley Fatukasi yep. came over from the Jets. And then Roy Robertson Harris. You could easily make the case that Trayvon Walker is going to play any or all of those positions throughout the season. And if they play him more on the inside, does that concern you? because he's then going to be dealing with more double teams and going to be harder for him to try to get things going with tackle sacks, things like that. Does that concern you at all? Not really. So I'm, I'm trying to find it now that you brought this up, but I, I think they still played a lot of four, three. Yeah, they do. Uh, last well, and, year. And, well, and Doug Peterson coming over his defense is typically or that as well. But with Josh Allen and then those two and then him, it'll be interesting to see how it all fits with Jason that they had drafted early two years ago. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Caleb on Jason. Yeah. They took him in the um, first round what, two years ago. Yeah. Josh Allen played across the defensive line for damn near 80% of his snaps last year. So, I like having him there and then the sort of those veteran presences in the middle, 
that mm-hmm. those guys have been productive in their time. Just one, it's not been like superstars or anything like that. And it's not just no-name people. Malcolm Brown and Foley have been useful in defensive t- tackle required leagues once you get into deeper leagues. It's not guys that are just out there doing nothing. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that he's really going to have an opportunity to be double teamed. And if anything, I think he'll have a more of an opportunity to get to the quarterback if he is going to start because of Josh Allen there. I don't hate it. I don't hate the take. I my, my worry is is that that they do play him more on the inside because you heard all throughout draft weekend that that they liked him because his versatility, but that he played a lot on the inside. If that happens, a tough thing for me is I don't because we haven't seen the team on the field with the staff in place how they really want to do it. If they're going to just be more specifically four three and and let Walker on one edge and Allen on one edge, but then like you said, factoring Caleb on Chase on all of that. It'll just be interesting to see how they deploy that. Do they put guys on snap counts? Are they rotation, rotating guys in and out to try to keep people healthy? I mean, it just it just makes it. Let me go. All right, I don't know per se. None of there's no situation where they're gonna vault Kayvon or Aiden for me either way. Still an interesting thing to think about and try to figure out. I think Walker's as much as we can say guaranteed to start this year with the question marks that people are gonna have about them taking him there. Balky's comments about seeing Alden Smith in him in terms of the, the good production, I don't really see how they can afford to not start Walker because it's just going to look worse and worse every time Hutchinson, Thibodeau, one of those guys is out there playing and getting a sack. Walker's not. That you yeah. took ahead of him with people questioning him, like, why did you take him? Yeah, yeah, that's where we're at. It's, it's all guessing. One more guy I wanted to throw out there. Of course, I probably forgot it. Uh, you had mentioned, and I think it'll be interesting to have plays out as Leo Chanel out of Wisconsin in the mm. third round. They'd spent high draft capital relatively. You know, I think Bolton was a fourth, and he mm. was probably the second-best linebacker, of course, the whole course of the year last year behind Micah Parsons. And then they had drafted Willie Gay the year before that, I think, in the second round. So they've spent quality draft capital trying to get very different but quality linebackers here and how all three of them end up splitting because they really only play two linebackers for the most part at one time in KC with using more people in the secondary. How that all plays out will be really interesting because like you said, we did like Chanel ahead of time prior to the draft, but he went into what I feel is a little bit of a muddied situation. Willie Gay hasn't showed a whole lot up until the end of last year Mm -hmm. and Bolton was great. So probably the second linebacker on that team at most, which again, love the player, but it'll be interesting to see if he doesn't become part of a rotation to try to just decrease his value for us. Yeah, that's the thing that I don't... There really is only three linebackers on that team that I think are quality. You have the three that you mentioned, and behind that, it's a lot of depth guys. Like Jermaine Carter from that came over from Carolina, and Elijah Lee, who played with, who was with Cleveland for a minute, and Shalik Calhoun, and Darius Harris. And just a lot of guys, as I'm looking up and down their depth chart, it's like, they really only have three linebackers that I think have strong potential now and for the foreseeable future and and what they do and how they deploy them will be interesting because their line is really good now that they've added Karloftis with Derek Nandi and Chris Jones and Frank Clark and you're probably going to see them continue to stay in sub packages two linebackers and then extra it'll be interesting to see how they deploy the second because they spent some draft picks on corners obviously Trent McDuffie in the first round they got uh Williams in the fourth round and then Brian Cook in the second that's where I'm fascinated to see does Brian Cook get more involved um when they're trying to have multiple pieces on the field because otherwise it's Rashad Fenton and Legere Sneed who have been fine but they're, I don't know that they're the same caliber of player that like a Brian Cook is. So that's where it's okay. From an IDP perspective, I love a lot of the pieces they have on their defense. But then at the same time, it's like this could get muddy real quick and how to who to play because you just don't know what they're going to do with them all. And to a large degree, that's, we talked about this a little bit before, not to get completely off topic. You're going to have to be paying more attention to that as an IDP fantasy football player because like they've done on the offensive side with running backs and all the splitting of time we saw a lot more of that last year with trying to keep people healthy and you know not just completely gassed in some of these games with the heavier rotations and you're going to have to know okay yes this linebacker is in a rotation but he's seeing 70 percent of the snaps compared to these other guys that are like at 50 40 percent apiece he's the main guy in the middle even if he's maybe not calling plays 
he's going to be my best bet on average out of this team's linebackers. Just because someone's listed as a starter on that depth chart, and some sites do a good job of trying to update those consistently, being a starter doesn't mean much in terms of IDP if you're not going to be out there consistently to get that playing time. And then are you a guy that's out there for two downs? Are you out there for coverage? Are you out there just as a situational pass rusher? And how that plays into your league scoring, it's getting trickier for us as the NFL is getting trickier trying to keep up with the offense. So this is the time of the season, time of the year, I guess. It's still a season, not the NFL football playing season. This is where you want to be learning that sort of stuff. Very true. So to, to wrap it all up, I want to make sure we touched on DT and CBs because our league, plenty of leagues that that do play those positions. Is there anyone in these dra- in this draft that, that stuck out to you as a guy in those league formats that you're interested in trying to get some shares of? Or and, and I will say that we typically subscribe to the rotate your corners, find guys on waiver wires, hot plays, things like that. We tend to play that way. And, and even in leagues that I have to start corner, I still use that and subscribe to that method. DT, I don't always that. I try to actually have a couple guys on the roster, depending on how deep my lineups are. But what did you think about the DT and the cornerback group? Is there anybody that you plan to target if you have to play the position? Yeah, so I haven't dug a whole lot into that, especially defensive tackles because of the, the level of rotation that they get. If you have a good young cornerback that's in the field, there's a higher chance of them actually staying out there. So no, the, the defensive tackles, I don't want to throw names out there because I haven't dug that much into them. I'm not even doing much of a write-up on those guys just because of the nature of IDP and how young defensive tackles generally don't see the field for three downs. But if I have to pull out a cornerback's name, um, and this is really just situational for himself coming into the draft and then where he went. And I'm trying to pull it exactly where it was. It was Zion McCollum to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in round five, I think. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is he had the highest ever relative athletic score for a cornerback going back to 1987 when they've been paying attention, which I like one, and then two going to Tampa Bay where he's going to have a defensive-minded head coach who clearly probably had a say in him getting drafted going to a veteran secondary, a team competing for it. I think he's going to be in a great situation, one, to get on the field a little bit, and then two, learn from guys that really know what they're doing there. And the cornerbacks, a little bit more barren than they had been previous years because guys that have moved around, but I still really like the situation that he went to, maybe not for this year. So I'm not advocating drafting and stashing a cornerback for the future, but he's the name that stuck out to me as someone I definitely want to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, I will. I when it comes to these two position groups, and they are very important position groups. I just rotate. They're very rarely do I target a guy and and will keep him on my roster very long, unless you have the elite ones, the high end pieces. Sure, but most of the time I'm rotating my defensive tackles and hitting the waiver wire, and my corners the same way. Or or worst case scenario, if I get in a spot where I really am just struggling to find a good solid one that I can keep using or or looking to. You could always trade for one, but I don't know. I haven't, I can't say that I've honestly ever traded for either. I have talked about trading for them and I've traded them away when people, you know, come looking, but it's hard. I want to make sure we showed a little bit of love to those position groups because we had a ton of corners drafted. I think we had 20 or 30 corners taken in the draft. So you see that as the opposite side of the NFL and offense is loading up on wide receivers because they're playing more of them and more of them more often. The defense has to adjust and mm-hmm. we even saw Lovey Smith, who really hadn't in previous coaching stints had a premium on quarterbacks, come out and say, if we want to be able to play the kind of defense we want to, we need to have a top level cornerback. And that's why they had at the third overall pick, which... Again, I don't know off the top of my head, but that's one of the earlier picks probably in the past 10 years for a cornerback even. I think Akuda went three. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's been a whole lot of them beyond that. The cornerback's taken that high. And especially two of them going, one right after the other. That's saying something about the nature of it. And we do know rookie cornerbacks do tend to get picked on. In not advocating drafting him. Someone will probably take him before they should just because of the name. But if you can pick them up off of waiver wires in a DB required league, if they start, you know, doing well, the hot hand with them. It, it, we're not saying they don't have value. It's just a lot harder to figure out who's going to have value of them before you get into the season. Yeah. And I typically, in the midst of drafts, if you're doing four or five round draft, I'm not picking in a corner or a D tackle. I will just play the wait and see game and let someone else use the pick on them. Because in most drafts, this draft will be interesting to see. So I'm in the one draft that's already started drafting that's an IDP. 
we're only in, I think we just finishing up round three. And I have a couple picks at the back of the fourth and in the fifth. It'll be interesting to see what's there to pick from. I know that people, there have been a few IDPs that have been drafted already, but not many. I think I, I started off with Aiden and um, I don't know that we'll see much, if any, go corners and knee tackles that are not going to happen because there's plenty of IDPs to draft. There's plenty of offensive guys that are late that have sleeper potential with the, with the Mike Davis stuff. Tyler Algier is, is, was quick. As soon as that news came out, the guy that was up on the clock drafted him. I mean, the things like that are going to keep pushing up these some of these other offensive guys and push down these IDPs, quite honestly. Right, so as we close the show, Craig, any final thoughts to wrap up this draft class? How are you? Anything else that we didn't talk about that you think popped up that we need to bring up? Not really. It, it was a weird <laughs> draft class. We saw that how people looked at the first round. From the offensive side, the same thing from the defensive side. You're seeing that shift where those premium positions, you're getting more of them drafted and drafted higher with the edge rushers, whether it's 4-3 DN, 3-4 outside linebacker, cornerbacks. Defensive tackles are always going to have a lot of value in the NFL because you got to use a lot of them to keep them healthy when they're down there, but just not as much from the IDP side, really, unless you're in that league. And then guys that we traditionally thought of as the high point getter safety so those inside linebackers, not as valued much anymore by the NFL. And it may take a year or two to see that in your stat sheets and everything, but that's something mm -hmm. else just to be paying attention to in your own leagues and your evaluation of players. Not to say that those inside linebackers aren't going to have a ton of value, but trying to figure out who of them will in a given year, it's a lot more difficult than it used to be. It's not that, oh, he's taking the first round. You want to be targeting him anymore. Very true. Sorry, Joss. Uh, uh, <laughs> he's just now noticing the Hopkins suspension. That's a tough one. Um, I did so see somewhere, I think it was three years, $33 million they're expecting. I don't know about opt-out clauses, but for Honey Badger. So it does sound like he's going to be there with Marcus May, Lattimore, Paulson Adiba. They had a really good secondary last year, actually, if you look at grading out against the pass. And I think they're probably going to have the same thing this year. But right. for the Saints, they're going to need to figure out their linebacking core. That's still a very up in the air question that I'm not sure they have a good answer to. It could be it could be a rough going for the middle of that defense, and but unfortunately they're a team that you know isn't trying to rebuild, but it's trying to retool. They're, they're just in a weird spot right now. It's difficult. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. All right, that's it, folks. We are done. The 2022 draft is in the rear view now. We are finished talking about it. Now it's on to rookie draft season. Hopefully you guys are, if you haven't already started your drafts, hopefully you guys are ready and prepared if you need help rotoheat.com we're working on getting our rankings all updated post draft they'll be updated within the next within the next probably a few days or so we'll probably leak at most i would guess back tomorrow night dynasty show thursday night we'll talk Devi stuff uh we'll be doing some mock drafts in in the Devi world i think it's next week i think we're going to try to roll out and do a, a mock draft with the guys on on the show so Make sure you like and subscribe here on YouTube. If you are listening in podcast format, we appreciate that. Leave a rating, a review, all that good stuff. We do appreciate everything you guys do. This is is something that we're passionate about and we love doing, and those types of things help us know that we're doing good enough job to get your support. So uh, thank you guys as always. We will be back next week. Ourselves in Austin will be back next week. You guys have a good night, and we'll see you later. The IDP Heat Seekers is a proud member of the Roto Heat family of podcasts. Find more content on Dynasty, Redraft, Devi, and more at rotoheat.com.